you will realize how much of an entrepreneur or business owner you are by going and getting street cred and skinning your knees and traveling around the world. Like I left Australia with $3,000 in my pocket and I was gone for over two years. I have not lived in Australia for 10 years and I'm, I'm, I'm an expat like you are. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. They can get double digit returns without the need to find, negotiate, close and manage their properties. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to rate us. I would appreciate it very much. You can also go to my website, elliperlma.com and listen to the episodes. So my guest today is Reed Goosen. So Reed Goosen's real estate investing journey first started back in 2009 when uh, he picked up a little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And before that, his background was in civil and structural engineering. Very interesting, very relevant to real estate. So Reed is actually from Australia and he moved to the U.S. in 2011. And within the first year of living in the U.S., Reed had purchased his first duplex. But since then, he started Wildhorn Capital Multifamily Syndication Investing Firm, which has been involved in the acquisitions of over $110 million worth of real estate to date. So Reed is also the host of the podcast Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. And also, he's also launching a new book. So we're going to talk about that as well. Today, Reed will share with us his remarkable story about how he moved across the world to the U.S. to pursue financial freedom. So it's amazing because in six and a half years, he has gone from having no real estate to over 110 million worth of multifamily. Reed says that if an Aussie can do it, so can the average American. I'm really excited to have Reed on my show today. Hey, Reed, how are you? G'day, Ellie. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I love your accent, I have to say. Same here. I love your accent. <laughs> well, some say they can't really hear my accent, which I'm surprised because I can definitely hear it. I can uh, hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're also from California. I mean, you live in California right now, not so far away from me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in Culver City. So uh, I think you're in Santa Monica, right? Yes. 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 A lot sunny. It's, it's a little bit freezing today, a bit, bit chilly. That's my usual, you know, intro from sunny California. Today, it's not very sunny, but it's one of those, you know, off days that the sun is not really cooperating. So right, right. that's, that's okay. So you have over 110 million multifamily of assets under management, which is extremely impressive. Because seven years ago, you were not even here. You were back in Australia. And so I want us to kind of dive into the story and 
you know, hear about where you are and what you've been doing. So if you can kind of take us back in time and share the story with us. I would love to. Now, it depends on how far back you want to go, but I can give you a brief overview of my, my, my upbringing. I'm originally from Australia, still have a very strong Australian accent. I still call Australia home, as the song goes. Uh, my parents were both high school teachers growing up. We very, very middle class, you know, never went without, but never had a ton of stuff. And my parents always instilled in me the adage of a fool and their money are easily parted, which, you know, growing up, I always appreciated what a dollar was worth. When I turned a legal age of 13 and a half, I was at the local stores walking around trying to get my first paying job. And, and I got one at a local cafe over the, the years in high school and going into early university, worked on construction sites, hard labor, you know, really appreciated my education and, and the fact that I was at school uh, to, for, for civil engineering, but also appreciate, I also knew how to roll up the sleeves and, and get, get stuff done. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm def definitely come from that um, blue collar work ethic, not afraid to get the, the, the hands dirty. And I never ask any of my um, now employees to do something that I wouldn't be able to do myself. So finished university and loved studied civil engineering. As soon as I graduated, I had was what's called seconded, um, which means transferred to a London engineering firm because the, the sister company Australia wanted me to move over there and, and work on the 2012 Olympic Games, but in 2008. And so I embarked on a two year journey around the world. I, I went to South America for a period of time, then went up to London, worked in London. When my contract ended, I went to live in the South of France and I worked on the super yachts, worked for the mega wealthy of the world. And it was an extremely eye-opening experience. I worked for a Russian oligarch, I'm a billionaire, hugely wealthy, um, wow. rubbed shoulders with, you know, lived in Monaco for a period of time. And I sailed across the Atlantic Ocean because when it's winter in Europe, all the boats come before Lauderdale and all the Caribbean. Had a, had a like taste, and not that this has anything to do with the real estate, well, it sort of does, but had a taste of this lifestyle of very, very opulence. Um, not that it was for me, but working uh, as a deckhand on these boats uh, was really eye-opening, got to see the world. I actually met my, uh, my girlfriend, uh, who's now my wife, backpacking in uh, in Spain, uh, actually, just after running the oh. book. So we met in Spain. I went back to work on the yachts uh, for six months. We kept in contact. I crossed the Atlantic Ocean, which was the best experience of my entire life, and um, landed in the Caribbean and then started backpacking around America. Fell in love with two things, my wife, Erica, and also New York City. You know, cut a long story short, that coming to the end of two years, I'd you know, graduated, been to London, but now lived on the, the yachts, and then eventually moved back to Australia, and that's when I fully realized I can't be doing, you know, sitting in a cubicle. I just had two inc incredibly exciting years gallivanting around Europe and, and America and meeting Erica and doing all these awesome adventures. I was sitting back in my cubicle uh, as a civil engineer, structural engineer, and I was like, I feel like I, I have more to give. Uh, I didn't know what that was in terms of, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I, you know, I enjoyed studying civil engineering, but I knew I couldn't sit in a cubicle for the next 40 to 50 years of my life. At the same time, I, I picked up the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is in 2009, and that really opened my eyes. And again, it, I felt like this, this star athlete sitting on the sidelines and watching the game of my life go by and not being able to take any control. And, and, and the Rich Dad Poor Dad really sort of highlighted the different things and where really the, the, the end goal of where I wanted to be, you know, an investor. Cut a long story short, as soon as I'd read that book, I was at my first real estate investing group in, in Australia. 
I happened to be working with developers. So I had a, a full-time job that I could like lean on for experience and rubbing shoulders. In 2012, I quit my job, my, my high paying job in Australia and moved back to the United States to follow Erica. And I moved to New York City and I didn't have a job and I rocked up and I literally pounded the pavement. I had an A4 piece of paper with all the engineering firms on it. And I walked into every single uh, firm and said, do you have a job? Do you have a job? Do you have a job? And everyone said, no, 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 no. But as, as Tony Robbins like to say, like to say is, it takes one yes to change your life. And that one person did say yes. And I did get a job. And within six months of moving fresh off the boat, I had purchased my first duplex in upstate New York for 38,000 bucks. And, you know, the, so the rest is history, but, you know, we're going to get into more of like why, you know, when I first moved here, the barriers to entry in real estate, which is crazy low compared to Australia. But in that last five minutes, that's sort of my life becoming, coming to the United States, so to speak. And then obviously I've gone on to develop our Send Property Group and Wildhorn Capital and my podcast and all the great things that, uh, that an entrepreneur mm-hmm. should do. <laughs> so when you were abroad, you know, hopping from one country to another and being exposed to, you know, wealthy people that probably own not only real estate, but other, you know, assets, was that also part of, was that influencing you in thinking, I want to be maybe like them or I want something different? Yeah, yes and no. No in the, in the fact that these are extremely wealthy individuals who lead, let's say, gray lives, if that makes sense. Like there's no black oh. and white. It's a little bit gray. What do you mean by that? If you really want me to get into it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So if you really want to get into it, these are extremely wealthy men and with extremely wealthy, wealthy men, they have, they tend to have these, there was incidents where the kid, his kids who were American raised, his wife who was American were on board. And then a week later he would come on with his mates from Russia and he was on board, not with his wife or his kids. Mm. And if you, you know, read between the lines. Yeah. So there was definitely that lifestyle, that playboy type lifestyle. Look, it all looks great in a music video, but in reality, it's a pretty filthy lifestyle. He was very, very much a self-made man. He was very polite. He wasn't a, he wasn't a dick, but it was sort of like filthy money, if that makes sense. And, and I, I, I saw that side of like Bugattis and driving these Rolls Royces in huge hundred meter yachts, you know, with helicopters that land on top of it, like stupid wealth, like crazy amounts of wealth. It's nice, but I don't need to be that wealthy. I can just, I can still be financially free. And so there was still like, there's like a scale, there's like that end. And then there's, I can't make 40,000 bucks a year because I don't have an education. And there's somewhere in between, right? So it was definitely an extremely amazing experience. Like I would highly recommend, if someone asked me today, what would you recommend to any 18 year old? And I say, I say to them, go around, go out to in the world and get lost. Go travel for two, three, four years. You will realize how much of an entrepreneur or business owner you are by going and getting street cred and skinning your knees and traveling around the world. Like I left Australia with $3,000 in my pocket and I was gone for over two years. I have not lived in Australia for 10 years and I'm, I'm, I'm an expat like you are. And it's, you know, I've always loved that expat journey and adventure. And so when I can combine achieving my goals for financial freedom, you know, building wealth and living overseas at the same time, like it's, it's I've got all of it, right? So I've got yeah. a really great lifestyle. So back to your original question, 
great to experience it, but it also was a very eye-opening at the same time. And a lot of people that worked on these yachts were just down to earth Aussies, Kiwis, some some Gops, some Americans, some Europeans, just people that loves hard work and just enjoy, you know, getting out and experiencing the world. So it was a very much contrast between the workers versus the owners of these yachts, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah. I, I wonder if that made you feel that you know, becoming wealthy and financially free is actually achievable because as you mentioned, you see stupid levels of wealth, but you know, okay, maybe that's not what I really want, but I can have at least a portion of it and I would be very happy and it's attainable. Right. Well, not that it's attainable. Like when, when you're first in that situation, how old was I? I was like 23, 24. Mm. It's like, wow. Like, how did you like, what? How do you own a hundred meter yacht? How do you own a private jet? How do you own, like my mind was just going at a million miles an hour. I was also just in that sort of space of like, I loved the fact that I lived in a backpack. I could pack my entire life up in literally one backpack and be off the grid. You know, I loved that early twenties type of just expensive adventure. And so I didn't necessarily put, you know, look in hindsight, looking back, yes, sure. I can say, I could potentially say that, yes, that influenced me. But the real thing that influenced me was, after coming back from all those journeys and, and awesome adventures, sitting in a cubicle back at a day job, because one thing I'll just quickly rewind, working on those yachts was great, like, but it was very physical labor. I'd been to university. I had, I got a, I had honors degree in structural engineering. I'd worked in London already as a structural engineer. It was sort of like this year off that I was just going to go do. And I really, it wasn't really using my brain and I really wanted to continue to use my brain. It was just physical labor. So I sort of, and it was very much living in a fishbowl, living on these yachts, you know, you're, you're, you're always on call, you're always on standby. It's, it seems, you know, very glamorous, but it's hard work and you're up, you know, 24 hours a day is whenever the boss calls, you're, you're going to be on call, you're there, you're, the boat's ready, you know. I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term play for me. So go back to Australia, get another civil engineer, structural engineering job. And that was really when the penny drops, sort of when the, when the music stops, the party's over, you're back in Aussie, back to your, you know, your friends, your, your comfort circle. And it was like, ah, oh, there's something eating me up inside. And I didn't know what it was until I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And now on the, the journey of the last 10 years, looking back, yes, you could say, say that subconsciously working on those yachts has impacted me. But to the, your question of, did I know that I could achieve some sort of financial freedom? No, but I definitely did know that I wanted someone to pay me to just live my life. <laughs> so what was what did that look like? And and that was really how I went down this journey of real estate investing and and understand how to create wealth. And that that I can now look back and see this 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 person, this Russian you know billionaire, has you know made money and and through real estate and other assets to afford the lifestyle that he that he could afford. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I remember in my last, the last W2 job that I had, I remember I was looking to my right and I saw my 45-year-old boss and I said, you know, still standing there, it was 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. And he was always waiting for the CEO who was sitting right next to us to leave so he can leave. And I said, I don't want to be like that when I'm 45. And that inspired me in that sense. And I made a realization that if I want someone to evaluate my skills and write me a check, I'd rather that be an investor and not, you know, not a CEO of a company that hires me or a manager. So yeah, I can, I can definitely relate. And so, so you're, you're moving, you know, you're, you're traveling the world, you're going back to Australia and then you're moving again to New York, how did you get from the stage where you were knocking on doors and 
you know, very determined to get a job. You finally get a jo- got a job after six months. What happened between that time and the moment that you were the proud owner of a duplex? And was that in New York also? Yeah. So it actually, my, so the job journey was actually a lot quicker than that. I was shocked. I, I got the job within a month. Oh, wow. It was, okay. It was, every, it was every day, like literally donning a suit, walking and, and, and for all those people out there who still have jobs and still have to, you know, get a paycheck. My biggest piece of advice to you, if you want to go down the path of real estate investing, I was a foreigner who didn't go to university here. I targeted firms that had less than 30 people and I could walk into because they wouldn't have, a, they wouldn't have HR. Uh, and if you didn't have HR, you could get, there's a lot more less barriers to go through. Now, I, I got a lot of people said no to me, but as I said, that one yes changed my world. And I, it means I could stay, I could get the visa, I could stay, I could continue the dream. But at the end of the day, I was okay to fail because the failure was, well, I'll go back to, you know, I go back to Australia, I go back to my, my job in Aussie. And so the, the risks weren't that, yes, it was a big step, but it was like, well, the worst thing that happens, I move back to Australia. Okay, poor me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. within about, I want to say about a month of, of getting fresh off the boat, I was at my first RIA event, real estate investor, was it real estate in, investor association or something like that. Yes. And I had, had been attending these RIA, similar RIA events in Australia and I was going to do a flip or a lease option or something in Aussie, but I also really wanted to live in New York. So I made the decision to, to quit my job and move to New York and, and go all in, in on, on the United States. But when I first went to that first networking event, I thought Aussie had some great networking events, but by gosh, the Americans and New York City was like on steroids when it comes yeah. to freaking networking. And I had no idea what these fast talking Americans are talking about IRRs, cap rates and, you know, rental growth. I was like, what the hell are they talking about? And so really quickly, I had to get up to speed on everything. Like I had to reteach myself because I'd just been learning about the Australian way for probably the last two years. It was 2000, end of 2011, 2012. So I picked up the book and late 2009, was educating myself all through 2010 in the Australian market, moved to the United States, and so I had to retrain my brain. But what I did see was that the barriers to entry here in the the United States was so much lower than than Australia. Like I went and bought my first property all cash for $38,000. You could not find that in Australia. That just does not exist. And we can get into why that doesn't exist. But the story is that I was like, this is what Rich Dad was talking about. You put money in your pocket. Yeah, like this makes sense on paper. Great, let's go, let's go do it. On paper, it went, went really well for six months. And then I got into the whole Section 8 and I understanding why you don't necessarily do Section 8. And the reason it was worth 38,000 bucks for a duplex was for a reason. But I learned, right? And it got me in the game. And one of the things I remember like riding the subway, like reading these books and all these sort of things. And I was a swimmer growing up. I'm, I'm six foot two and I used to swim a lot being in Australia. We always used to swim. And I remember as a kid, that part of like learning how to swim is they chuck you in the deep end with your clothes on and your shoes and you've got to learn how to swim. And it was kind of like that. I was like, I'm on the subway reading a book about real estate. It's like, you don't get fit by reading about getting fit. You go to the gym, right? So it's the same sort of thing. I was like, I had to, it was great to continue that self-education, but about after six months, I'd had enough. I was like, okay, I've got to, I've just got to, because essentially that time had been like two years of self-educating with Australia and in America. And so I was like, we've got to do it. And, and I, I chose a small market in Syracuse outside New York. It was affordable, just went all in. And, and I bought, I think two, two or three little properties and, you know, got into, I flipped a few houses in Philadelphia and this is all whilst working full time. And 
got into syndication, which we can talk about as well. <laughs>、Let's talk about it. Seven little units, and I had a flip in Philadelphia that was going on. And、uh, this is 2000, end of 2013, or yeah, middle, middle of 2013, end of 2013. Christmas is coming around. A friend of mine from Canada came down,、uh, who I also studied civil engineering with in Australia, a very good friend of mine. And I'm like, man, guess what I'm doing? I've got seven units and I'm flipping a house, but I hadn't still achieved financial freedom, right? I was still working my day job. And he's like, man, that's so freaking cool. Like, that's great. Good on you. And And then he tells me, he's like, I just closed on a 70 unit. And I was like, 70, like 70. And he's like, yeah, 70. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean 70? How do you get 70 units? Like, what did you do? Like, tell me all about it. And he walked me through that he had a mentor and he had got a seller carry back financing on, on a property that was worth about one point, I think it was worth like 2 million bucks. And they needed like $600,000. He put in 100K. He raised the rest of it from friends and family. And they went off and closed on a 70 unit deal. And I was just like, my jaw was on the ground. I was like, what the hell is this? And, and he was talking about passive income and how, the, and, and how the same principles I was applying to my small duplexes and triplexes, I'd go in, you know, spend five, 10 grand, do it up, increase the rent. He was doing the same thing, but on 70 units and really explaining that the power of a cap rate and NOI forcing that appreciation and how the difference between resi versus commercial. Under four units being residential, or above four units being commercial, just that, that scale and that, that, that sheer power, your professional property management. It was like, wow, like it was a whole new world that I didn't even know about, but kind of knew that it was leading in that direction, right? Like I knew that I hadn't got to financial freedom. I was doing these small little bits and pieces, you know, putting in five grand, increasing the rent on my you know, duplex. 200 bucks, maybe. And that was it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the value of the property wasn't really going up. So it, the penny really dropped for me. And, and, and I sort of said to myself, Reed, well, you've got to get, you've got to get serious. You've got to go out and find a mentor. I did find a mentor through that mentor, raised,、uh, introduced that mentor to his partner now, sort of was very all kismet and started a podcast because at the same time, I needed just to understand about branding. And you know, I'm a civil engineer, structural engineer with a, very much a black and white brain. I didn't have much gray, you know, artistic gray going on. So I had to brand myself, really you know, lent into the, I leaned into my accent,、uh, the fact that I was a foreigner, that I had to go through all these hoops about what the hell's a credit score, what's an LLC, what's, how do I get established here? And through that, I, I started my podcast, Investing in the United States, the Aussies, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate. And、um, I've been going for three and a half years on that podcast, nearly 200 episodes. It's been amazing. Brought in investors and all the, all the best in it. So that's how I got involved in, in real estate syndication. You recently just launched a, a new book, right? Yes, yes, I did. The beauty of media is that you can create from what we're doing right now, video and audio, I can create. Written as well, and through the last three years, I've extracted all the best bits of my podcast into a sort of step by step guide of how to get started here in the United States. Really, and really from a foreigner's perspective, right? Because as, I, as you said in the beginning, if I can move to the United States, I didn't have a job, I didn't go to school here, I don't have family here, I don't have a network here, and within seven years, achieved financial freedom and now manage over $100 million worth of real estate. 
anyone can do it. So what's your excuse? And my excuse is that I had to get a plane ticket and 3000 bucks to come over here. <laughs> that was literally about it, but I made it happen. And, and it goes back to that blue collar hard work ethic. I'm, I'm willing to roll up the sleeves to figure it out. I'm the engineer in me is like, I, w- I see that. I want to be that. Let me go figure that out and put the steps along the way to, to go and do that. And, and not ever being, have an ego, like check your ego at the door. I don't know everything. I don't pretend to know everything. And I'm always wanting to continue to learn. And I think that one of the biggest lessons, if anyone's listening to the show, can take away is that you can always teach an old dog new tricks. And, and as, as that person being taught new tricks, I think as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader, you always got to be keep evolving. Our world is changing at a million miles an hour. Right. If, if you're not adaptable to that, then you're going to be sucked out the back and you, know, you won't be able to ride the wave of, of, of progress. Right. Well, great advice. Thank you so much, Reed, for sharing your story with us. So if our listeners would like to get in touch with you and also, you know, buy the book, where can they find you? Yeah, just head straight to my website. It's reedgoosens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O. S-S-E-N-S.com. Everything's up there, book, podcast, contact information, whatever you want. If you're ever in LA, you want to go meet up for a beer or a coffee or lunch and just talk shop, I'm, I'm all about it. You can hit me up at info, I-N-F-O at readboosters.com. All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Reed, again for your time. That was a great story and hope we catch up soon. Thanks, Ellie. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.